Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Matt Q, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Charles Leclerc snared his fourth pole position in a row and sixth of the 2022 Formula One season in what was a, a frenetic climax to the qualifying shootout here in Baku ahead of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. The Ferrari driver found a half-second advantage through the uh, first half of the lap and despite the supremacy of the Honda engine in the back of the Red Bull, uh, Leclerc preserved his lead across the line uh, as he set a 1 minute 41.359 second lap to romp to pole with uh, almost three tenths in hand over Sergio Perez as a Monaco winner who now has a contract extension at Red Bull uh, put the manners on his teammate once again. Uh, Carlos Sainz ran to fourth after a messy final lap that he eventually chose to abort and the top floor was some way ahead of the rest of the grid in a session where the Aston Martins crashed the session was delayed Alonso was initially accused of deliberately causing a red flag there was no shortage of talking points that's for sure and to offer expert analysis on all of them on this qualifying podcast I'm delighted to be joined by motorsport.com's F1 editor John Noble John, the new F1 timetable ensures things run late anyway, let alone with a delayed start and a red flag. But that's how you want the day to end, surely. It was a pretty exciting scrap for pole. What did you make of it? Yeah, I think it was a, you know, one of the 
great qualifying sessions that we are having this season because there's not, not not been much to, to differentiate Ferrari and Red Bull, especially on Saturdays this season. And this weekend, it's all been very nip and tuck between them. We knew this was tracking the theory was going to favour Red Bull, be much quicker top speeds this year, and Ferrari's kind of excelled in low speed, medium speed corners. Uh, so you'd have thought that you know coming here would be an easy Red Bull walkover, but. Ferrari's gone, you know, much lower drag solutions, lower drag wing, pushed more on the, the top speed. And actually over a whole lap, I think, you know, in equal terms of no toe, there's virtually nothing separating the, the two teams. I think the, the critical aspect today was down to the toe. And, you know, in qualifying, tiny little circumstances and little little details can make a, a big difference. And I think critical today... I mean, Red Bull were getting timed the first runs in Q3 brilliantly. Verstappen got a toe from um, Perez. Perez was getting a toe from Leclerc, and their final sectors were, were amazing, blistering. But it all went wrong for the second run in Q2. It was a slight delay in firing up Sergio's car. Um, that meant, you know, to, to stay in sequence, Max had to go out, run alone, didn't get the toe. Perez didn't get his toe. Uh, and I think in the end, that was that opened the door for Leclerc, who was right behind teammate Carlos Sainz benefited from him that's that's what made the, the difference seem bigger in the end but very little to choose and I think ultimately you know the way this this racetrack is the way the two cars are so equal I think it doesn't matter if you qualify first or fourth or second or third here it's going to be a the race is still going to be completely open but I think it was a great battle to watch uh, for an hour this afternoon and we've seen so far this season Leclerc what six poles uh, and we're a third of the way through the season but hasn't hasn't won a race now since Australia which is round three so it sort of shows how the momentum can swing between the Saturday and Sunday and as you say Baku tends to sort of produce dramatic races we're going by the precedent that whenever the F2 race has been sort of pretty dramatic the F1's been tame but that wasn't the case they uh, 15 minute delayed start to, uh, to uh, qualifying as a result of free practice three being delayed and that was a result of uh, the Formula 2 cars whacking every single Tech Pro Barrett in sight and they needed to be readjusted um, a, a plot line you've been sort of following earlier in the weekend asking the two Red Bull drivers is why sort of over the last two Grand Prix Perez has maybe had, had the legs on Max Verstappen ever so slightly I mean these are marginal gains that can obviously easily be overcome in the race but what have you learned what's the, what's the quirk of this Red Bull which means for the first time since what really Daniel Ricciardo Verstappen has a teammate who's right with him yeah I think I mean, it's, it's the usual thing we're quite guilty of as, as Formula 1 media is you, you take some very very complicated um, topics such as car setup, and you try and distill it down to to simple factors, and we're, we're going to do it again. But um, you know, in simple terms, Max Verstappen loves a car with a very sharp turn in, um, so he get, gets the front end turn into the corner. And if the back steps out, the back's a bit loose. It's something he can, he can cope with better, um, and it's something his teammates have struggled with. Um, if you look at Gasly, you look at Albon, look at Perez last year, they've all struggled with this kind of nervous rear end, didn't feel comfortable couldn't get the confidence in the car and that's that's kind of made the difference in the past um this year for 2022 has been a, a rules reset so it's so a car that you know not not because red bull automatically favor verstappen to build a car for verstappen against teammates but as a driver who's, who's been here for the duration the car obviously goes towards a direction he wants to make the team quicker um so when perez arrived last year you know it was a car that suited verstappen um, this is just a straight fact, not because the team was favouring Verstappen over Perez. It just suited him because he was he was the incumbent. Whereas for this year, it's been a rules reset. Um, the cars have lost this this high rake concept, which was giving a you know a, a lot of um, a lot of downforce at the front of the car. Um, Red Bull's gone for much has to has to has to go for a kind of low 
low drag, low rake solution because of the way the 22 cars are. The 20 cars are heavy. Um, they're slightly cumbersome in the corners. They have a tendency for understeer, especially mid-corner. And that's where Verstappen doesn't have an advantage over his teammate anymore. Um, Sergio's much happier with a kind of neutral handling car. And I think Fink is on top of it. And Max is trying to push things to get more front end. But I think it's difficult for him to do that, A, without compromising you know, the, the durability of his rear tyres, overheating the rears, it compromising the races. But equally, the, the transition in balance. Because today he was complaining in qualifying that you know, he was struggling with a, a bit of oversteer and the, the rear being too loose. So I think he's struggling to find a sweet spot with the car a little bit. It's not dramatic. You know, still he's still on top of Perez over the course of the season in terms of pace. But I think it's enough to get Perez in the window. And I think Perez has got himself into a good place with the car, working well with his engineers, know what the team wants, knows how to extract speed from these 22 cars, understands the tyres. Uh, and I think it's making things quite equal between them and it's, I think it's good, it opens up a fascinating dynamic now because Sergio's not going out there tomorrow to finish second to Max he's going out there tomorrow to win Absolutely I mean we are talking about uh, really really small differences it was you know Verstappen was only 600 behind behind Perez but we've come to expect him to be the number one driver which is why I think we all were sort of uh, a bit more we read a lot into it when uh, Perez didn't leave the garage uh, straight away or he was about 30 seconds behind uh, Verstappen because uh, well he said it was an engine fire up issue Horner uh, Christian Horner team principal said it was a refueling issue but he left the grid and, and Max Verstappen goes where's 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 Sergio where's Sergio why can't I follow him and uh, I put the question to him well is that sort of uh, an understanding as the number one driver you're expected to have a tow he said no that's we just alternate each weekend and he just wanted to check his team it was okay okay because I suppose if he wants to fight the Ferraris around here he needs he needs a wingman and I suppose if we're going to do the, the normal thing of it, uh, sort of assuming a number two driver for for the top two teams it was Carlos Sainz we should talk about next in fourth you know, he did take a step forward. In fact, he was he was a pace setter after the first round of bank collapse in, in Q3. But then we were both watching in the media centre. He goes for the second lap. And, and we sort of said pretty much straight away, through turns five, six at Fiddly Chicane, he looked slow. Uh, Oversteer through seven and he uh, backed out of it completely. For if I look ahead to Sunday's workload, uh, to up his driver rating, what does he need to do? Is it a case of splitting the Red Bulls? Yeah, I think, you know, I think Carlos would be disappointed with today because it was a golden opportunity to get his first pole position, put to bed all the problems he's had with the car. And I think we were, we were semi-joking when we watched qualifying this afternoon that as the, the, the lead driver out of all those, the pack of Leclerc, Verstappen and Perez and the guy who was quickest after the first run in Q3, you're the one who can take the most risks. You're the one who can drive too hard. You can push the car. If you go over the limit, you're in the barriers. Either double yellows are out, the red flag's out and there's not enough time to restart it and pole is yours so I think I'm not sure every other driver on the grid in that circumstances would have if they'd known they were slightly slow may not have done something funny but Carlos isn't that sort of driver who would do something dodgy and try to you know take pole position by getting one over with yellow flags and red flags so you know he finished his lap it wasn't his lap uh, and he starts behind them um, I think tomorrow I think fighting Leclerc for the win and kind of overhauling him and overtaking him is probably a step too far. Um, he's got the pace, but I think in the, the circumstances of the championship, the circumstances Ferrari has found itself in with you know losing this early season momentum and Red Bull having the edge. Uh, I think his job tomorrow, you know, is definitely to get ahead of both Red Bulls. And I think just as just as you know, Red Bull may feel they've got a bit of an edge on Leclerc because they can split strategies. Uh, you know, try and tempt Leclerc to, or force Leclerc 
So he's going to have to cover one of those cars. So one of them pits. He's going to have to pick which one he's doing his battle with. Um, and that was part of the mistake Ferrari made in Monaco. They were, you know, looking at the wrong car, trying to work out who they should be covering, and it, it all went wrong. So, you know, big pressure on Ferrari strategy tomorrow. But equally, you know, signs could be used as a as a dummy to do something to overhaul the Red Bulls because the Red Bulls' attention may be focused fully in front. So he's got a big role to play tomorrow. Ferrari will want him up there. You know, if Leclerc's out, they want him winning the race. If Leclerc's winning, I think ideally they'd like him to finish second. Absolutely. Those are the uh, top two teams covered. It's, it's just fascinating to see how, you know, they're locked in this battle and just driving each other relentlessly to such an extent that George Russell qualified fifth, best of the rest, if you like, and he was 1.3 seconds off the pace. He was he was nine tenths of, of signs in, in fourth. Uh, and it, I think it, he called, uh, Russell called it the biggest gap of the season. A direct quote from him here talking about the porpoising, which is W13, has struggled with significantly this, uh, this, this round in particular. Uh, Russell said, every single bump is the most rigid I've ever felt from any race car before and I can barely see the braking zone with, with what he's feeling in the cockpit really dramatic there Hamilton was in 7th and he's been he's been up to the stewards I believe he's been clarified for for uh, what, driving too slowly John what was the sit rep on that one you seem to be on that story uh, pretty pretty swiftly the benefit of the toe is massive it's a, a couple of temps and when you're fighting in the in the midfield well I call it the midfield but there's basically two packs there's the the Red Bull and Ferrari and then there's the rest of the rest of the field which I always call the midfield but actually is kind of best of the rest but in that pack you lose two temps you can be dumped out of Q2 uh, you can, can be the difference between being 5th being 15th um, get it all wrong so they're all, all seeking this advantage um, and this was all about the toe so Lewis had gone out in that session um, backed off to try to get some cars to come past him so he could pick up a toe but Norris was absolutely clear that he wanted that, that, that final run. He wanted Lewis's toe again. Uh, so it's Lewis backed off. Uh, Lando backed off as well behind him. Um, it didn't, nothing forces him to overtake Lewis. Uh, and in the end, I think, I think Lewis went both were hauled up to the stewards for driving too slowly. There's a minimum time limit. They were allowed to go around. But I think the stewards looked at it. They didn't actually break the delta time. Um, they weren't driving slowly in a dangerous manner. Um, so it was all fine and actually Lando said he felt you know what Lewis did was totally fine as part of the game as part of Formula 1 and he, he felt it was actually more dangerous what happened at the end of Q1 when um, following Stroll's crash the, the session was restarted I think with, with two minutes and two minutes and 30 seconds left which I think it was a one minute I think Ricardo was told it was if you go flat out from pit exit it's one minute 45 to get all the way around if you're absolutely gunning it so by the time the cars had shuffled out, there was a race to get to the, the flag and it was quite manic actually, almost almost like a race and it's a sort of moments where accidents can happen because drivers are taking bigger risks than they normally do. So, I mean, that's a, I think a, a key issue that potentially needs looking at is how these how these sessions end in these circumstances because you've also got this, the situation with Albon who was furious with Fernando for backing up the field, going off at turn 15, which Albon felt it's done cheekily rather than uh, as a result of anything any major incident um, so yeah, the rules again under the spotlight you know can improvements be made to qualifying do we need to disallow times for drivers who bring out yellows or reds at the end of sessions should you as someone you know has suggested today that if the session stops with a certain number of minutes left or below a certain number of minutes it resets as a minimum of three minutes or minimum of five minutes I think there's various options but definitely something that needs looking at because it's not, not particularly good for Formula 1 if you end up with a massive shunt because someone's racing to a start a final lap in Q1 Absolutely, and just to dissect that uh, sort of Q1 spat a little bit more. So we had a case where uh, 
Norris and Schumacher were at the at the back of their pack. Uh, Schumacher was in in the drop zone. And Schumacher was told, you know, go like hell, go like hell. Norris received a similar instruction, uh, get your elbows out, overtake these cars ahead. And sort of Schumacher sent this lunge down the inside of turn 16, which is, is not the final corner here, but it's the last sort of braking zone. The rest is all about teeing up that exit. And then you've got a 1.35 mile sprint until the next braking zone to T1. So the fact they were trading positions, both of them got rubbish exits. So so uh, they didn't improve. Schumacher was out. And we also just touched upon as well the cause of that sort of uh, madness in Q1, which was a mess a messy uh, few corners half a lap for uh, Lance Stroll where uh, he goes on uh, locks up and and noses into the barrier he reverses out and goes I think there's damage I think there's damage team go no it's fine should I pit no no stay out press on we need to go for another hot lap and then what uh, two three corners in he was in the wall this time it was uh, terminal that was his session over do you just sort of want to unpack what happened there and maybe maybe throw ahead to his teammate who uh, who did something similar but got away with it and and Vettel progressed really well into, into Q3 yeah, I think it's just tantamount to how tight that, that battle is in that pack. That, that There is no room for margin. There's no guarantees for anyone getting out of Q1 anymore. Um, I think we've got Williams kind of pegged a little bit towards the rear. Um, they obviously you know, haven't developed their car as much as others and have kind of fallen back into that, that regular Q1 situation for now. Um, they've got you know, some upgrades coming in the next two or three races that hopefully can lift them forwards. But... Um, Yes, the Aston Martin wasn't in that, wasn't comfortably through. Stroll had made the error on cold tyres and slid in. And then late, too late in the session. So, you know, Sedgwick's engineers had, had some doubts. If there was enough time, I'm sure he would have come into the pits and have a look at it. But, you know, imagine if he had come into the pits, they looked at it and said, no, it's totally fine. We could have got out of Q1, no problem. So I think, you know, tantamount to... Uh, you know, a mistake from Lance, tantamount to, you know, poor timing with the, the timing of that mistake from Lance. But equally, uh, if you're a team like Aston Martin with the budget it's got, you shouldn't be battling so hard to be getting out of Q1. Quite. It was an interesting quote uh, from the team's press this morning. Tom McCulloch, who's, uh, you know, been at that Silverstone Jordan team through the Racing Point Day, says with the budget cap, with the money they've spent on this obviously controversial upgrade, and now with the crashes, that they're back to being this bang for buck team. I suppose when, you know, the Aston Martin takeover, Lawrence Stroll, and, and plucking all the big talent from, from the Mercedes and Red Bull powertrain operations. And uh, they, they seem sort of bloated and excessive, but he's saying, no, we're, we're having to go back for bang for buck, being really sort of lean and efficient where possible, operating under the budget cap and that's before the, the repairs to uh, Stroll's Aston Martin albeit not quite as significant as some of the bills Haas has had to pick up over recent times I know it's just jumping around a bit but we'll cover off some of the other important results Pierre Gasly sort of a bit back on form after being put in the shade by Sonoda a little bit he was 6th place as uh, Alfa Tori sort of emphatically won that That again as you say it's not quite a midfield battle it's maybe a bit ahead of them but behind Mercedes and, and actually broke up the two silver arrows as Sonoda was in 8th Vettel ninth in the uh, in the Aston Martin, Alonso 10th in the Alpine, and then the team McLaren, Esteban Ocon, and then Guang Yuzhou, who's probably worth to mention, that's the first time he's out-qualified Bottas this season, Bottas a bit of a messy day, uh, and it also means now that with Zhou having uh, got the got the better of Bottas, uh, a stat I saw on social media is Carlos Sainz is the only driver not to out-qualify his teammates so far this season, but um, I'd say maybe from what we've seen in the early part of the season a bit of an off-colour day for, for Alfa Romeo's new sort of standard in 2022 yeah they looked to be you know massively on this huge crest of a wave of momentum at the Spanish Grand Prix upgrades been quite aggressive on upgrades uh, it all looked good they'd left Spain 
massive optimism for Monaco. You know, slow speed performance looked really, really promising, looked really good. Monaco weekend didn't click at all. They had the disappointed Friday, hardly any running, didn't get on top of the setup, um, and, it, and it just didn't click. So, I mean, they left with some points, but not, not nowhere near what they had potentially hoped to get, which is fighting at that top of that best of the rest field. I think coming here, they felt there was a, a chance to, to maybe not do as well as Monaco, but get back in that you know, fight for 6th, 7th, 8th, somewhere up there. But just hasn't clicked this weekend. They were running older parts yesterday because they're quite tight on spares. Um, today just didn't, couldn't get the car clicked. Um, but I think Joe's been doing a, you know, pretty good job this year. Um, we've seen in the past that rookies can, can struggle, especially when we're up against someone who's as good as Valtteri. And Valtteri is someone who, you know, didn't out-qualify Lewis only on the lucky days. There were days where he was genuinely quicker than Lewis it's just the consistency of which he could do it so you know someone of the benchmark of Valtteri who's in a happy place at Alfa Romeo understands that car you know he's getting the most out of it so I think for Joe to have dug down and done that is really good and Joe's I think one of Joe's strengths this year has been actually his race pace and consistency in the races he's very strong on Sundays he's been a bit unlucky with kind of safety car timings or incidents or um, things not clicking you know, through circumstances outside his control on Sundays, but I think tomorrow is a great chance for, you know, him to potentially push things forward, um, make the most of any chaos that happens up front, uh, and try and get some more points. Yeah, he was uh, notably hampered by clutch issues in the early races or launch issues in particular. But the way he recovered again on the fringe of the top ten is really impressive. And and like you say, sort of cast aside the the sort of cynicism around him joining obviously you know as a, as a first Chinese full-time driver in, in Formula 1 the commercial opportunities that offered he was sort of already tarred before he had arrived here um, I suppose in you know people seeing him in the mould of other let's say well remunerated or well backed drivers to be in, in, in the top flight recently but no getting his points on his debut in, in Bahrain sort of maintaining a high level since then uh, those, those are the notables so I'm just going to throw ahead to the race tomorrow John we, we always like a prediction but I was doing my free practice two analysis and again we know that Leclerc's quick over one lap we've seen that consistently through the season but usually we can come back and rebut it and go oh well we've got a bank of data from FP2 that says the Red Bulls are doing this this and this but Verstappen after his persistent DRS issues he's only sort of uh, did a three three lap race simulation in uh, in FP2 so it's complete speculation this time. There's no sort of, I don't think, quite so many educated guesses. It was, a, you know, something I was contending with while I was analysing it last night as part of a longer piece. You know, can, can we make a prediction based on three laps or do we need to take a step back and go, actually, it's, it's pretty neck and neck. How, how do you see this one playing out having, having witnessed a number of uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix? I think it's a race that's going to ebb and flow quite a bit. Um, I think the, the Red Bull's straight line speed advantage is still there. Um, very good in the toe. Uh, so I think it's going to be a race where some senses that the teammates are going to have to work together um, what Red Bull don't want is Perez and Verstappen battling each other so much that Leclerc can get away um, Ferrari will want signs to disrupt the Red Bulls as much as possible um, so I think it's going to be a race not maybe not necessarily dictated by pace and the fastest car winning tomorrow um, so I think just like you know Monaco that happens because you can't overtake uh, and this rush. but here I think it will happen because of incidents and safety cars um, and the fact we've got you know these four cars up there with the potential to turn things around and the unpredictability of it being much hotter tomorrow than we've 
we've seen in qualifying. So you're running the race is running much earlier than we've, we've we had qualifying in the second sessions. So I think there's a lot more unpredictability tomorrow. And I think, like we saw with Formula Two uh, today, it was decided by a final safety car shootout. It wasn't decided by the fastest fastest guy winning. So um, I think more of the same tomorrow. And I would probably advise everyone to keep an eye on the F2 race in the morning as well because I think if the F2 race is fairly standard and boring then I think we'll have a barnstormer of a Formula 1 race but if if F2 is complete chaos uh, and all over the shop then I think that may calm things down for the kind of teams and drivers and the message would be bring the car home and guarantee points because we've had that in the past and it can dampen things down so I'm keeping my fingers crossed for a really boring F2 race tomorrow Likewise and I suppose for you know the hardcore motorsport fans out there watching Le Mans through the night and maybe slightly bored of what will likely be a Toyota one here and come over to F1 for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and get some action excellent stuff we'll leave it there for this episode my thanks to John and uh, here's the usual long plug at the end of one of these podcasts be sure to tune in uh, again for the podcast for our full race review episode from the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and in the meantime follow the race live on autosport.com where you'll also find all the breaking news stories many of them written by John uh, and our usual extensive analysis and driver ratings and then on Thursday you can head to your news agents and pick up a copy of Autosport magazine for all of the uh, all of the detailed uh, explanations and more including the key data and trackside observations from Baku which is quite an experience uh, thank you very much for listening most of all enjoy the race and Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year I was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Uh, come back again for the next episode of the Autosport Podcast. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The Just Because Deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.